the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Black Swans. And even the Bison. You know what we mean. The Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley. With SRN News, I'm Rich Thomason in Washington. Amid multiple crises, another poll polls discouraging news for President Biden. The Rasmussen Report's daily presidential tracking poll for Friday, September 24th, found that 42% of likely U.S. voters approve of President Biden's job performance, 56% disapprove. Interestingly, that 42% approval rating is one point less than the approval rating of President Trump on the exact day in his presidency. Ken Lorman reporting. Former President Trump will hit the road today. He'll visit Georgia, holding one of his signature rallies in Perry. That's about 100 miles south of Atlanta. A three-man ticket of candidates backed by Mr. Trump in the 2022 GOP primaries will appear with the former president. This is SRN News. I should have done it sooner. That's a comment heard often from satisfied patients at INeedMoreHair.com. Dennis Prager here. If you've been exploring solutions for your hair loss, go to INeedMoreHair.com and see what they're doing for men and women like you. The consultations are free and the results are amazing. You'll be under the care of some of the most experienced hair transplant specialists in the country. Their doctors have given patients from around the world, including notable Hollywood personalities, a full head of hair. They can do the same for you. Their technique is so advanced that their results are guaranteed in writing and their prices are the best in the business. If you have hair loss, don't put this off another day. Contact INeedMoreHair.com at their office in Egan for your free consultation. Experience you can trust, prices you can afford. Today is the day to get a permanent solution to your hair loss at INeedMoreHair.com. Fall is one of my favorite times of the year. Having to wear that light jacket, the leaves are turning, football. But one of my favorite things is hanging out in the backyard and having that bonfire. Well, maybe you're saying to yourself, well, I don't have a backyard. Maybe now's the time to buy a house and get that backyard. Enjoy that time with family and friends back there. And you can do that with United Faith Mortgage. Hey, it's Lee Michaels here for United Faith Mortgage. And buying a home is a big deal. And while it sounds cliche, it's true. Our homes have never been more important. A new home brings a lot of beauty. Tucking your kids into their new bed for the first time and enjoying that bonfire or first cookout in the backyard. But all that process can be a big deal. At United Faith Mortgage, they can help. It's their job to eliminate the stress and use their direct lender advantage to make sure you're paying the least amount possible for your new home. And right now, they'll pay your appraisal fees as well. That's up to $500. So visit unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. NMLS number 1330. Ryan Vrecka, NMLS number 65233. The following program was pre-recorded. Welcome back. This is the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. We are very happy to have you with us uh, here today on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. And we're also happy to have our guest join us today uh, from the Legatum Institute, uh, Sean Flanagan. Uh, Sean, I'm trying to pull up your your title, Director of Impact and Partnerships at the Institute, um, and the lead author of a uh, new study of the United States Prosperity Index. Sean, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me on, King Nice to be with you. Nice to be with you as well, sir. Um, I'm looking right now at a map of the U.S. and says that's colored by off your website, usprosperity.net. And as I look at the map, and I'm I'm here in Minnesota, and I hovered my my, uh, mouse over Minnesota, and it says Minnesota rank number three. 
tell me what that means, Sean. Yeah, very happy to. So uh, we're at the Legarton Institute. Um, we're a think bank based in London, but global remit. Our mission is about helping to create the pathways from poverty to prosperity. So what you see on that map, King Menion, is basically we've created uh, an index for both globally, which we've been doing 15 years, measuring prosperity across 167 nations. And then three years ago, we produced the United States Prosperity Index, measuring prosperity across the 50 states of the Union and Washington, D.C. And when we talk about prosperity, we mean a combination of both economic and social well-being. And what we've done through the index is take that concept and then uh, sort of dismantle it further into all those things that we believe lead to a truly prosperous life. So within the index, we've got three broad domains, inclusive society. So that measures things like uh, personal freedom, governance, uh, safety and security, social capital. The other domain is open economy. That's everything that's needed to create a strong economy. So a good business environment, is there good infrastructure, you know, transport, communications, etc. And then the final domain is empowered people. Uh, which looks at the lived experience of people. So here, here we're measuring things like education, health, living conditions, and the natural environment. So when we take all of those three domains together, uh, we get 216 indicators that we use to measure across those three domains. And when we add everything up uh, and rank all the states 1 to 51, uh, we find that Minnesota comes number three. Well, that, that is... Um, so first of all, it sounds like it's good news. Uh, that's true that you know that we would be number three um and so i i should tell you uh sean and i apologize i or mr flanagan uh but i um i'm a i'm actually an economist and i actually wrote a book about uh 15 years ago where i studied uh indices just like yours uh, I did one and uh, uh, pub- publish a book, and we were looking at things like the Heritage Index, the Fraser Index, uh, the, the Fraser Institute's Index up in uh, uh, Vancouver, uh, and, and so forth. And so there, are, I will say, there's sort of like a bunch of these different indexes out there. I think you would agree with that. What makes the Legatum Institute's Prosperity Index uh, unique and really v- and, and valuable? Yeah, I mean, that's such a good question. In fact, you mentioned the Fraser Institute, and they were one of our uh, advisors. We had 40 advisors when we created the U.S. index, because your listeners might rightly be asking, what's a, what's a, you know, a Brit uh, producing an index on the U.S. for? And we took our global index and applied that to the U.S. with the help of 40 experts. But I think when we looked at the U.S., you're absolutely right. There are lots of indexes. There's the rich states, poor, poor states, there's... Um, the Freedom Index, there's many different social progress index. I think what we found when we did our kind of research three years ago is that there were lots of economic indexes and there were a couple of social indexes, but there wasn't really anything that captured both the economic and social aspects together. And so that's why we we created the index for the U.S., because we believe it's important that, you know, people's lives, when we look at our lives, they they're a combination of lots of factors that, that need to be taken into account. So that's what we've tried to do is what what leads to you know what leads to people's lives truly flourishing, and that's why we've done done the index in this way. So so I, I mean, and the other thing that I, I, I I'm going to get I'm going to stay try to, I'm trying to stay as far out of the weeds as I can because my because the research I've done would wants me to go into the weeds really badly. <laughs> so I'm trying to, trying to keep myself out of there. Uh, but what I think one of the things that uh, in, in the, uh, the email I got that offered uh, you to come on the show, the, I have to say the one that got me to cock my eyebrow the most was, was the fact that you, this, you're able to drill down for some states to the county level. And what really is intriguing to me is the thought that we could actually look at county-level data, which I, I admit I've, I've looked at it and thought, how could we do it? You've actually done it, including for, for our own state, uh, which I find uh, – I, 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 which was like, okay, well, I have to talk to this guy now because i got to first of all know how is he differentiating the counties – and then and then uh, and then ask some questions about what's the result of these sorts of, of things. So first of all, um, talk about how it is that you decided to do the counties and why Minnesota was one of the I think twelve states you chose to do it on. 
Yeah, so when we first created the index in 2019, that's when we produced the state-level index. And that was our primary focus. But obviously, when you come to look at the U.S., you know, a lot of these states are large, um, either either size-wise or population-wise. And so we recognize that to really understand um, how a prosperity is distributed within a state is quite important, because that will help inform the most effective policymaking, we believe. Um, and so we, we embarked last year on creating the index for eight selected states. And they were, they were selected partly by demography, uh, partly by geography, uh, but also by size. So last year we, we did, obviously, we did California and Texas because of their, because of their size. Um, and then we are, we are funded, uh, we are a charity, so we're funded to do this work through uh, a number of uh, trusts and foundations. Um, and so part, part of our selection was also in consultation with them, but we also wanted to select some states that were at the top of the index and some states that were towards the bottom so that we could really begin to understand how prosperity distributes. And we, we see a fascinating picture when it comes to Minnesota because, it, you, you know, the, the, the sort of high level of prosperity that um, is exhibited by this state. Now, it's not to say that there aren't some uh, challenges and some opportunities, and we call, you know, they're, they're visible through the state profiles. We can see those and we can chat through some of those. But when we look at how it translates across the 87 counties of Minnesota, we see, broadly speaking, that actually most counties exhibit similar levels of prosperity in a way, perhaps, that when you look at the likes of uh, California or Texas, um, other states, we, we see that actually you get a lot of counties that you get some that are in the top quintile, uh, but you also get some that are in the bottom quintile. We don't see that in Minnesota. We see the vast majority of uh, counties, 80, uh, uh, sorry, 70, 79 are in the top quintile and only a handful are in the second quintile. Um, so it's quite interesting just to see the different patterns of how it, how it translates across the state. Yeah, so, I mean, I, thank you for making that point, Sean, because I think that's, a, I think that's really important for, for the listeners to understand. So I, I happen to live, I'm actually sitting, I'm sitting in an office uh, on the Mississippi River right at this moment, where I'm sitting in Stearns County. As I look across the river, I'm seeing Sherburne County, and if I look, if I look uh, north out my window about uh, 200 yards, I'll see uh, Benton County. So I see three different counties uh, here in the area. And so I'm in, in Stearns County. I live in Stearns County, and it's ranked number 68, and my thought is, oh, Stearns County must be awful. Well, that's not what you're saying at all, is it? You're saying you, you, just by what you said, it's like, well, many of our counties are still in that top quintile. They're all, in the way you're describing it, good counties. So if someone was to say... You're number 68, I would say, yeah, but that doesn't mean we stink. We actually are still a pretty good county to live in. And then, and then even Pine County, which is at the very bottom of your list at number 87, is in that second quintile. So it's like, yeah, it's not as good as some of the other counties, but it's not bad. Um, so, so, um, so am I reading that right? It, that uh, I, I think to say that, that the yeah. gradations between the counties might, in fact, not be all that telling to us in Minnesota, but they are in other states. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So what we've done with the analysis is we've presented the information in two separate ways, really. Part, partly because it's helpful to see within a state how the county, counties rank, because that can be useful uh, for policymakers and others. But actually, it's also helpful to see, well, how, how does your county perform relative to all the other counties? Now, what we're trying to do over time, and we've done it this year, we've added four more states, um, one of which is Minnesota, to the county index. We'd like to keep going with that, subject to being able to, to get the funding, because we believe it's a combination of both state level, um, given the sheer number of decisions that are made at that level, but also county level as well, to supplement the state level information. And it's both of those really that's needed to really understand how... Um, uh, to make decisions and what kind of policies need to be implemented and who needs to do what. Um, so that's why we think both state and county are, are really useful together. Right, because if I light up the map, if I, if I pull up the map for Minnesota, it's basically all green but with a few counties lighter colored, which means they're all pretty good counties. If I do California or I do Florida, it's a very different story, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. You, you see that... Um, You've got counties which ex exhibit, um, you know, 
high levels of prosperity are in the first quintile, but you also find, you know, counties in the bottom quintile. So, there's, there's, you know, there is quite a degree of disparity across the across the state. Right. So, I mean, I, I find I so I I I appreciate that that having that point made is that is that if you look at the counties, it's more important, at least to me, you've got to not just look at like. I'm number 68. You have to look at yeah, but what yeah. color? What what color am I on the map? It, it it really I think matters to to us. So what I want to do, Sean, is I want to take a break here. When I come back, what I want to explore is suppose I'm in a state or a count, and I'm more interested actually in what if I'm in a county that that is not the brightest green. What what is it that your that your research shows would be some ideas for how to get there, other than get up and move to some other place? We'll be back after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. If you owe the IRS back taxes, then get ready to pay up. The IRS has giant private collection agencies actively tracking down folks who owe the IRS. So if you think dodging them was stressful in the past, it's going to get a whole lot tougher. Optima Tax Relief has this advice. Don't wait. Solve your tax problems now before it's too late. Optima Tax Relief works to stop the demand letters, stop the aggressive collection actions, and stop the IRS collectors from targeting you. Ask Optima about the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS IRS has ever offered. If you qualify, you could save thousands, and nobody knows this program better than they do. Optima is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, and they get results, having resolved over a billion dollars of tax debt for their clients. Get a fresh start. Call today for your free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Do you love to cook or have a favorite blue ribbon dish? Then you need to enter your favorite recipe sweepstakes to submit that delicious recipe. The winning entry will receive a year's worth of fine meats from Good Ranchers, a $1,400 value, and get a $1,000 Williams-Sonoma shopping spree. Increase your chances of winning by entering once each day. So start cooking and enter your favorite recipe sweepstakes now at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com slash recipes. Learn how thousands of smart homeowners are investing about a dollar to avoid expensive home repair bills. John, a former non-customer, said, My air conditioner broke and I had to spend $1,900 to fix it. Jeff, a customer, wrote, My air conditioner broke and I got a new one at no out-of-pocket cost. Mary, a former non-customer, wrote, My heating system stopped running. I had to spend $3,000 to get a new one. Lisa, a customer, wrote, My heater stopped working. I got it fixed at no out-of-pocket cost. For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home guaranteed fixed or replaced with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now, and the first month is free. If the lines are busy, please call back. 800-824-3853. 800-824-3853. 3853. That's 800-824-3853. 800-824-3853. Need new windows but don't want to sit through long, high-pressure sales calls? I get it. What if I told you you could get competitive quotes from three contractors after one short meeting with me on any window brand, and it's all free? Visit my three quotes online. That's my three quotes. but don't Welcome back. King Banyan Show. The Biz 1440. We're visiting uh, this half hour with Sean Flanagan, uh, who is a director for, of impact and partnerships for the Legatum Institute. Uh, Sean, thank you again for spending time with us this morning on the King Banyan Show. I am uh, I, I, I have a couple more questions that I'm going to I'm going to telescope back out of the counties and into into states and then into countries. 
very clearly, even though the U.S. is at number one, you know, this isn't like we're doing the Olympics here. As your, as your report clearly states, the United States is a very prosperous place. But there are pieces that you identify that are, that are holding it back. Can you talk about how it is that you can say those, both those things at the same time? Yeah, I think um, that's great. Well, thank you again for having me on, King Daniel. I think, um, yeah, I think it, it, it's both because when we look at prior to the pandemic, prosperity has been rising uh, in the U.S. year on year, you know, driven by strengthening the economy post the financial crisis at the end of the noughties, but also other aspects of prosperity. So, you know, the uh, skill set of the adult population increasing, reductions in property crime, and also reductions in certain behavioral risk factors. Um, has kind of driven the improvement in prosperity, which is great. And I think, you know, post-pandemic, we're already beginning to see um, rates of startup business startups in, uh, accelerating. And such that 2020 was the highest on record, and that that growth has continued into 2021 and up until writing the report. So I think there's lots to be confident about. But I think also when we look at the global ranking of the U.S. on in our U.S. on our global prosperity index. Uh, I mentioned those three domains, increase societies, open economies, and empower people. What we find is that on the open economies domain, as, as, as your listeners would probably you know, absolutely recognize that the U.S. has ranked seventh globally, does really well. But when you look at some of those broader aspects of prosperity, particularly safety and security and health, the U.S. ranks 66th and 59th, uh, respectively. And it's that those rankings pull the U.S. down overall to, to 18th. Um, uh, in global, which is still a very, you know, which is still a very strong performance. But one of the other things we talk about in the in the report is what we see through the index is prior to the pandemic, there were three also broad areas that we we think shouldn't be lost sight of as the COVID, you know, COVID rescue plan is put in place by each state. So things like declining social networks. So this is in the social capital pillar, which is measuring the strength of relationships and. It's like concentric circles. At the middle, you've got those relationships which are most dear to us, you know, family and very close friends. But they make them strengthening, which is good. But the wider social networks, that's the extent to which people uh, engage with others in their neighborhood, their ne- you know, their neighbors, um, talking to, doing favors for, that's deteriorated and deteriorated in most states. We also see um, mental health, which was already weakening across the U.S., even prior to the pandemic, has been further exacerbated. And there's one other area which I know is a sensitive topic, which is um, a deterioration in, uh, in the element which we call masculinity and injuries, which is principally due to the year-on-year rise and increase in, in mass shooting events since 2013, with uh, more than half the states seeing a mass shooting event in every single year since 2013. And we highlight these areas uh, because we think they're important not to be lost sight of and should be forming part of a rescue plan for each state, not just focusing on those uh, impacts of the COVID pandemic. Well, I so let me uh, let me let me take that, and I actually will drill down to to my own experience here. So this week in the United States, many communities will have something called national uh, national. It's the National Neighborhood Night Out event, which is usually sponsored by your local police department, and they organize. Uh, and so people in neighborhoods will organize picnics where the neighbors will show up. Um, uh, my neighbor, one of my neighbors came by with a flyer saying, Hey, national night out. It's at, is at our place this year. Uh, come, come at five o'clock between, uh, come at five o'clock or at any time between five and eight. And, uh, it, it is organized. I think there are attempts to do that. Obviously last year there was no night out. <laughs> we couldn't do it because of COVID. Uh, this year we are, it's an outside event. So it's, 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 I think quite safe. For people to get to. Uh, and the other thing, uh, Sean, that I, I, I point to, at least here in our community, is is we have uh, various commu- uh, various events where musicians perform in parks uh, that are where people are invited for free, put on by uh, a, a rotary or a, another kind of social service organization, a voluntary organization. Um, I'm not being defensive about this, but I'm saying that there are there's evidence that some of that happens and and that's happening right now and i just wonder how much of those events were also 
curtailed because of COVID and hopefully are coming back as we as we begin to come out of this? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And, that, and they're exactly the type of events and uh, gatherings that, you know, that can build uh, social capital, you know, bonding social capital between between individuals and others. Um, what we highlight in the report is just purely looking at the, you know, the data and the, the metrics we use is that we see that since 2011, because we, we've got data, trend data, so that we can assess how things have changed, we see that actually year on year that has been weakening. So it, it feels like there's some attention that needs to be given, but it's exactly those type of events, you know, building that sort of sense of community, uh, which is so important. Yeah, and I think Sean, if he, I don't know if you have any uh, particular examples to draw on, but but I believe that uh, there's some pretty good evidence that the building of show, social capital actually increases the uh, economic vitality as well as the inclusiveness of uh, that growth to all parts of a community. Um, do you have any examples, maybe uh, maybe within the United States, but maybe also globally, that uh, where, where you could say that increase in social capital has has increased prosperity in, in, in sort of measurable economic terms? Yeah, so uh, alongside this um, uh, kind of analytical report, we have a, a document which looks at the, the conceptual idea of prosperity. And, we, and that's exactly right. We draw upon quite a lot of research that talks about the connective tissue between uh, increasing social capital the leading to, you know, improve, improve uh, economic output. And well, that's one of the things that we're very keen to stress around the prosperity index is it's not, it shouldn't be seen as silos because, uh, you know, these things are very connected um, across the index. And so, you know, there's been a lot of work in the U.S., for example, around social determinants of health. For many years, the the focus was on not just in the U.S., but uh, I think also in the U.K. on just working or uh, uh, focusing very much on health outcomes. Um, but there's a lot more work now recognizing on those upstream services that those other things that lead to good health outcomes, you know, the quality of people's environment in which they live, access to green parks and all those things. So absolutely, this prosperity is interconnected. And that's that's why we put the index together, really, because our lives are complex and integrated and interconnected. And all these things, um, you know, play into one another. So it's exactly completely agreed with what you just said. Yeah, and, and and just to add one more piece to it, because I this like as I as I said, this is like an area that that I have a professional research interest. I'm not just doing this as a radio host. Uh, uh, I'm a I'm an economist who works at a university and uh, member of our own uh, of the city's uh, economic development authority. So I, I have some official I have some official roles here too. Uh, I. I, I thought one of the strong points you made in the report, or the, that the report makes, is that is that this is sort of an iterative process. And I think I think if you talk about that interconnectedness, the interconnectedness of the various pillars of prosperity, I think I mean I believe that that you can't just sort of say, well, here's the one thing. If we fix that one thing, this will grow. I think what your report is helping show is that you sort of have to iterate across all the various pieces because at some point each part becomes the weakest link and the easiest thing that, to work on next. But uh, every one of them gets harder over time. Have you got any examples where someone has taken that report of yours and said, okay, here's what we should do next and done, and done, done something that you thought was good and maybe something where you said, yeah, that's not really what the report says. <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we're, we're beginning to see the index being used in different places. I could give a couple of examples. So we were working actually with um, uh, a, a policy institute in Mississippi who wanted to uh, look at how the high, you know, high cost of health care um, was, was restricting uh, access to, to certain groups in society. And the reason... The reason why that was is because there was um, sort of legislation that almost stopped new players coming into the market. And they were able to use the index, look, looking at the health, looking at the care systems element, to actually say, you know, to, to support their argument to say, actually, we need to address this because very high percentage, I think it was over 20% of people, um, couldn't afford health care. 
Um, and that, that, that's because of the cost is too high. So the report's being used. And I think being on the other side of the pond is quite helpful because we're, you know, we are hopefully seen as bipartisan and we come humbly with the index to say, look, this, we believe it's a useful resource. Um, we, we actually did a, uh, a launch webinar for the report last week and we had, um, uh, we, we had someone from um, Nebraska, one of the policy institutes in Nebraska, the Pratt Institute. Um, and mm-hmm. they've actually used the index to help, to help create and, and they're going to continue to use it as part of their Blueprint Nebraska initiative, which is about looking at those, these broader concepts of what it means to build a prosperous society to help inform their, their strategic thinking. I think that's fabulous, and I I wish I I wish I had more time for you today. I'm just super interested in in the work you're doing and the fact that uh, it's getting uptake in uh, in states and maybe even in communities within states. I think is 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 great and commendable commendable work. So congratulations to you and the Legatum Institute for uh, this this report. Sean Flanagan, Director of Partnerships and Initiatives. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today, and uh, we look forward to perhaps talking to you again real soon. So can I, can I just mention the website, King, just in case Please people do, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, all, it's all freely available on usprosperity.net, usprosperity.net. You can go and get a profile for your state or for the 87, or each of the 87 counties to have a really good dig into, uh, you know, strengths and weaknesses and um, what, what might be the opportunities. Yeah, I think that it's great. I will make sure that uh, that 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 gets tweeted to our to our listeners as well. That uh, that uh, use the internet to uh, participate. Uh, and uh, thank you again, Sean, uh, f- for your time today. Appreciate it very much. Thanks we'll, for having me on. We'll be, Benny, good to talk to you. You bet. Nice talk to you. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Hi, John Wichko here, owner of Advantage Auto Glass. I'd like to talk local, Minnesota local. I was born and raised right here in Rosemont and have spent my entire life in Minnesota. I'm proud that we're a local family-owned company. It really frosts me when national glass companies based in other states and owned by a foreign conglomerate try to say they're local. Advantage Auto Glass has been local, Minnesota local for over 20 years. We'll replace your windshield with only the highest quality parts and adhesives, and we'll fix your chipped or cracked windshield right the first time. Advantage Auto Glass has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and we're a preferred shop for all major insurance companies. If you call your agent or claims line first, make sure to tell them you want to work with Advantage Auto Glass, your real local, Minnesota local installer, and no one else. Or you could schedule your appointment on our website at ReplaceMyWindshield.com. That's ReplaceMyWindshield.com. Hey there, remember me? I'm Tasha with Forever Cleaning, here to ask, aren't you tired of cleaning your office? Did you know that when you do it yourself, you are taking precious time away from doing all the things you really enjoy? Like spending time with the family, or spending the day doing absolutely nothing at all, or better yet, taking advantage of that fishing license you keep buying every year but never seem to find the time to use. Imagine this, you getting your hooks wet, catching some dinner, and leaving the cleaning to us. Forever Cleaning aims to provide top quality service that includes trash removal, break room bathroom disinfecting, dusting, mopping, and more. So what are you waiting for? Call us today at 763-807-9817 to schedule your walkthrough or visit forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, evrcleaning.com. And if you mention this ad, you'll receive 15% off your first three months of service. So remember... Forever cleaning is so thorough, you wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. It's to end at a grilling season, and Premier Pool and Spa has huge deals right now on all their Louisiana grills. No way. You mean like when they sell the toques for cheap during the spring because you don't really need them to cover your noggin when the weather's warming up, right? Absolutely correct, bro. Oh, but wait a minute. Fall's like prime smoking season. You can still grill and smoke year-round with the Louisiana Grill, right? You know it. The Louisiana Pellet Grill from Premier Pool and Spa is both a grill and a smoker. And it got these amazing winter smoker covers, so you can even 
use them when it's like below zero. So the grilling season never really ends, but I still get those low end of season prices, right? You got a plus a free 40 pound bag of pellets with your purchase and free bucket liners and a fancy grill cover if you buy one at the top of the line models. Hey, so don't wait. Get your own Made in America Louisiana grill at end of season prices plus all those extra goodies at Premier Pool and Spa in Chanhassen. Louisiana grills, you deserve it. Where the bad folks go when they die, don't go to heaven where the angels fly. Go to a lake of fire and a fry. See him again till the 4th of July. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Thanks again to Sean Flanagan for time today. I hope you enjoyed that. That's kind of like a passion project for me to look at these various indices. I, I'm interested in how they put them together. And it's one of those, you know, I took 255 variables and I turned it into a ranking and maybe even a number. Um, I'm always a little, I'm always a little skeptical of those reduction strategies, but um, I think a lot of the message, the message that uh, comes out of that is pretty, pretty powerful stuff and, uh, and takes a much broader view of prosperity than I think some of the other indices that are out there, so... I was interested in it, and um, and so, and I always tell people at some point, you know what? It's my show. I get to do, I get sometimes to just talk about stuff I want to hear about. Look, I want to spend. I, I'm not sure I can get through all of the FOMC report because we need to take time for this. But I wanted to play. There, there's there's a few cuts from from Jay Powell. I want to play for you. And there was also a response. Uh, the next day from Judy Shelton, people will remember she had been nominated to be on FOMC as a on the Board of Governors, and her nomination was um, was rejected by uh, members of the uh, Senate Banking Committee, particularly a couple of Republican members. Um, so um, I, I'm interested in uh, having that that heard, too. Um, but uh, in fact, I think I might try to play these against each other. Um, first of all, uh, this is Jay Powell again at the FOMC meeting as he's asked about, you know, again, people saying, well, come on, the inflation rate's kind of high, isn't it? He agrees with them. Play cut number seven, please, Sean. I would say in the near term that the, the, uh, the risks to inflation are probably to the upside. Um, I, I, I have some confidence in, in the in the medium term that inflation will move back down. Again, it's hard to say when that will be. Uh, I, I I will say though that you know we inflation is half of our mandate, price stability is half of our mandate, and if we were to see inflation moving up to levels persistently that were uh, that were. It, it, above significantly materially above our goal and particularly if inflation expectations were to move up we would use our tools to guide inflation back down to two percent i think that's worth playing that uh vis-a-vis this was judy shelton on cnbc on thursday sort of saying well what's the basis for that thought play cut 14 please sean the chairman of the federal reserve should have a lodestar They should know why they're carrying out their policies. I think that some of his monetary decisions, and I'm going back to even when he was on the um, Board of Governors with Janet Yellen, have shown an inconsistency in terms of, is he committed to productive economic output? And does he understand the role of money in facilitating that? Well, all we've heard so far is, I you know inflation is above it's it surprises to the upside and if it stays persistently there we'll move things back down but it's only half the mandate so I I have to say I agree with with uh, Dr Shelton I don't really understand what it is that um, he's getting at getting at with this. Um, let me continue on with the with the Powell press conference. I'm flipping through. I have to flip through pages to find the next the next set of markers. Um, one of the things that he certainly believes, and I think he's picked up, and again, and I've made this point before. I don't think you need to be an economist to be the head of the Federal Reserve, but I'm always interested when a non-economist is the head of the Federal Reserve. I want to know. So, what did you learn about economics? 
And it was very telling to me this response to uh, something from uh, from David Gura, who's a reporter at National uh, National Public Radio, and he's asked to, to sort of explain. I mean, he gets buttered up by by this reporter to say, "Hey, you're a good storyteller, and you've helped us try to understand what he." Uh, uses this term transitory. So tell me what you really mean by transitory and, and so forth. He gives this is his, is his answer. Cut number eight, please, Sean. When we think of inflation, we really think of inflation going up year upon year upon year upon year. That's inflation. When you have inflation for 12 months or whatever it may be, I'm just taking an example. I'm not making an estimate. Then, then you have a price increase, but you don't have an inflation process. And so th- part of that just is... It, that if it doesn't affect longer-term inflation expectations, then it's very likely not to infect, uh, to, to affect the process of inflation going forward. So what, what I mean by transitory is just something that doesn't leave a permanent mark on the inflation process. That is a very telling statement because I can hear, I hear that statement and, and understand, I'm a, I'm a university professor who taught macro theory and taught money and banking for over 30 years before I came to the dean's office. I've graded thousands of macro and monetary theory exams. If I read that, if I read that, explain explain what transitory inflation is, that's not a bad answer. But the model in the head of the of the student that answered this would be the model that says Past inflation eventually causes market participants to be conditioned to expect inflation going forward. It has, and, it, and that it's only based on what's happening with prices. What Dr. Shelton is saying, which I, which is important, is she he doesn't seem to believe that that money going up year after year after year. By having the taper not happen, and when it does happen, happen over time, that adding $120 billion a month to, to the, the central bank's balance sheet is non-inflationary. He, there's no reference to that whatsoever. Um, he then goes on to say, to say this uh, regarding maybe how they're picking up information from price increases. Cut number nine, please. To, to the extent people are, are, are implementing price increases because raw materials are going up or labor costs or something's going up, um, it, you know, the question really for inflation really is, does that mean they're going to go up the next year by the same amount? So you're going to be in a process where inflation, the inflation process gets going, and, and that happens because people's expectations about future uh, inflation mo- move up, and we don't think that's happening. There's no evidence that it's happening. And, and so that's the mindset he's in, and, 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 he, and there is no reference to how money might play a role in that. Uh, Judy Shelton, again on CNBC on Thursday, adds the fact that this is a fellow who maybe doesn't remember everything that he did in 2018 and 2019. Play cut number 13, please, uh, Sean. 13. Remember, he, after raising five times with Yellen in his first year in 2018, he raised another four times. So that was nine consecutive rate increases. And then in 2019, he withdrew three of them. So both years, we had pretty good growth. And I think that maybe he's overestimating the role of monetary policy in economic growth. And I would say, on the other hand, he seems to be underestimating the role of monetary policy on inflation. I'm pretty clear about how I think about think about inflation. That inflation is eventually a monetary phenomenon. You cannot have a sustained inflation without sustained monetary growth. The balance sheet of the of the central bank has expanded from two trillion in two from from one to two trillion in two thousand eight two thousand nine to about four trillion four and a half trillion by twenty seventeen started to wind back so that by 2020, beginning of 2020, it was down back to $3.5 trillion, and now has expanded past $8 trillion. I cannot conceive of a world, and I, 
I get when people tell me, but the velocity of money has fallen. I get that. Yes, it has. The velocity of money can only change the price level. It does not change the inflation rate. If you change the velocity, might be using just a very standard understanding of how the world works, right? Money times the number of times it turns over, which is velocity, has to equal nominal GDP. The money supply is, raise, is, is rising, the M2 money supply is rising, at a double-digit rate. In the second quarter, the GDP information tells us that nominal GDP went up 13%, But real GDP only went up by 6.5%. The rest of it went to prices. And therefore, if we're going to continue to have the money supply grow at this rate, why should I not expect 4, 5, 6% inflation over the next year or two? What they have to tell me is at some point the balance sheet is going to stabilize at some number. And only at that point can I believe, you know, believe that, that uh, the inflationary process is going to stop. That's the policy. That's the theory. That's the lodestar that seems to be lacking in Chair Powell's uh, conference. I have yet to hear him articulate how it is that the money supply is, that the change in monetary policy is going to impact that particular mathematics. And when he, when he does, I'll be sure to tell you right here on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. We'll be back right after this. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. Brighten someone's day with a free e-card from the largest online Christian greeting card site, CrossCards.com. There's one for every occasion, birthdays, holidays, or just to let someone know you care. CrossCards.com is a division of Salem Media Group. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Smith I'm Staff Sergeant Alex I'm Staff Keaton. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I am proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as Reserve Citizen Airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I'm proud to be a member. And I'm proud to serve in the United States. And I am proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. What does it mean to be a Christian woman in our current culture? How does your faith in Christ relate to the world around you? At times, being a Christian can seem like an overwhelming task in today's busy and challenging landscape. That's why you should visit iBelieve.com, a site designed for Christian women. Whether you're looking for insight, conversation starters for your church group, or just an uplifting message, you'll find it at iBelieve.com. Visit iBelieve.com, a division of Salem Media Group.
sightseeing in Ferris, at the mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Help fire, and I bring you fire. Welcome back. King Banyan Show, the Piz 1440. It's pretty she, pretty clear Sean has decided to focus on my high school listening uh, habits as, uh, as the uh, bumper music theme for today. Uh, I like it. Why not? Why Certainly. Why not at all? Um, anyway, let me... Uh, let me conclude with a couple observations, and I actually think I'm going. To, I'm going to leave a couple things, a couple of the, uh, couple of the uh, uh, quotes uh, or, or clips from Powell uh, on the cutting room floor here. Um, but uh, let me let me circle back to what we talked about in the first hour today. And if you just started listening, be sure to go back to the podcast list of the first hour because in the first half hour, we spent time talking about the GDP report. We talked about the. Uh, uh, briefly about the personal income and consumption report that was published on Friday as well. Um, and, uh, and, and so, uh, I have a, uh, I have a clip for you from, uh, from, uh, from, uh, uh, from Bridgewater Associates, this Ray Dalio's group, but this is not, not Dalio. This is Rebecca Patterson. She's the, uh, I think she's chief of us research for, for them. Uh, and, um, and Rebecca Talked about the fact, yeah, the GDP report was uh, was uh, um, was disappointing. But unlike unlike, and I would say actually like the Fed, seemed to say, yeah, the number wasn't so great, but the economy still looks pretty strong. Play cut number twelve, please. Yeah, the GDP mm. report today, very strong consumption. Not surprising. The consumer in the United States is in better shape today than it was pre-COVID thanks to all the fiscal and monetary support. What pulled GDP lower than expectations was inventories. Companies are struggling to meet the really strong demand, in part because of supply chain disruptions, in part caused by COVID. And so we're going to continue to see that push and pull, I think, in the coming quarters. But when you look forward, the big picture is we're still looking at a strong economy. Even though this GDP report disappointed expectations, you've got the super strong private sector. You have more fiscal likely coming down the pipe, probably in Q4. Um, inventories will restock as companies can do that. So directionally very supportive. Uh, and the Fed is not going to take the punch bowl away too quickly. I actually think that, so the last point, the Fed's not going to take the punch bowl away too quickly. One point she made that, that I didn't hear a single question asked at the press conference regarding the infrastructure bill. Now think about that. We're going to pass maybe four and a half trillion dollars of additional spending. Four and a half trillion dollars more than the 2019 budget for the United the United States was. We're going to do a delta of four and a half on a budget that three years ago was about four. Not a single question asked of the of the, of the Fed. They only had to ask again and again about about you know when's the taper when's the taper when's the taper and i found i just find that interesting that the let me i i'm going i can't let this i can't let go of the consumption uh, report the consumption and income report i have to I have to spend the last few minutes talking about it in the in the month of june year over year over year growth for services was 8.6% now that's down from 19.8 in April and 14% in May. But remember, in April and May, we were basically told, don't go out. In June, many of us were beginning to go out. So that's still up at 8.6%. We were buying durable goods all along in April and May. But in June, uh, we're, up, we're still up 13%. We're still up on non-durables, 13%. Private consumption is a very strong, steady indicator. I don't think that's going to go away in Q3. I'm still seeing I'm still seeing uh, people putting out forecasts. Uh, uh, Bank of America is still at seven percent for Q3, six percent for Q4. Um, 
and, and some of that's based on the inventories. Goldman Sachs is actually, Jan Hatzius is actually at 9% uh, right now, uh, which is above their other forecasts. That's all because of the inventory figure. Because these consumption data are strong, people are, businesses are going to have to stock their shelves, and that production will have a cont- contribution to that. Now, the now cast from the Atlanta and the New York Fed are below those numbers at 4% and 6%. I'm right now thinking the number should be above the 6.5% number. That's my first guess, my first kind of walk through what should that number look like. Uh, it should be around 6.5%. Uh, it should be closer to 7%, I think, in Q4. I'm actually right on the number with Bank of America at this particular moment. That will change. But the other point to keep in mind is is this. We have now gone through all of all of the the shutdown period. So we're now comparing June's. The comparisons begin to get better. June twenty twenty one versus June twenty twenty. The price index for personal consumption expenditures excluding food and energy, core CP Core PCE inflation, which is supposed to be the Fed's target, is now at 3.5%, up from 3.4% in May. If I look at market-based prices so that I get the imputed price impacts of of, uh, housing out of the number, those are at 3.7%. If I take market-based PCE and I take out the imputed housing numbers as well, that's still at 3.1%. Not not sufficiently high, I think, that the Fed reacts yet, but it's the number that we will continue to focus on. That was a very consequential report. And one last point, the savings rate in the U.S. still at 9.4% for June. People are still taking money in and saving it. It's not being spent as fast as they were spending their additional income only a year and a half ago. There's still pent-up demand out there, and we're going to see the impact of that in the second half. Is the Fed ready for that? I don't know, but we'll be watching them. Job Saturday next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Sean, for your work. Thanks again to Sean Flanagan from the Legatum Institute. Talk to you next week. King Banyan Show, The Biz, 1440. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and, of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employees. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash HR. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. Want to enroll your child in Christian school for half the cost? TwinCitiesTuitions.com has joined with area private schools to offer half-price tuition for your child's first year. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, you'll see our partnering schools, an interactive map to find one in your area, and frequently asked questions about the program. Now more than ever, it's important for your child to have a biblical worldview. Get details about the half-off Christian tuition program at TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. I'm sure glad you're my sister, Addie. Yep, you're my best buddy. Mom says you were their little surprise. What would we do without you? Well, you'll probably get your own gum. Yeah, that's true, but you're worth it. Hello, my name is Carrie. I work with Pro-Life Across America, the Billboard People. 
If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives to abortion or needs post-abortion assistance or would like to support the life-saving work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or check us out online at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America, educational, non-political, and tax-deductible. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America, the billboard people. Your feet will stay warm in the cooler weather with insulated waterproof boots from Chet's Shoes. Chet's takes the time to measure your feet and make sure you have the right boots for whatever you're doing. Whether you need safety or regular toe styles, the friendly specialists at Chet's Shoes know what will work for you. Shop a local 70-year family-owned store. Visit their Spring Lake Park location or online at Chet'sShoes.com. Remember, Chet's mobile shoe service can bring the store to you. If the shoe fits, you've been to Chet's. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.